I'm Katherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. If we're going to talk about the lies the church told us, then a really good place to start is purity culture. Nothing reveals the fear and the control that results from fear than purity culture. Purity culture is the church's attempt to control the narrative around sex and sexuality. This week, we have two episodes on purity culture. These are both with my friend Lucy Rowett, whom I met through Instagram. I have found her material so helpful. These next two episodes are actually recorded Instagram lives that we did on my personal Instagram, at Katherine Spearing. The first episode is about the trauma that purity culture can cause, and our next episode is unpacking some of the lies we were told through purity culture. So get ready for two pretty explosive episodes, if I may say so myself, and enjoy unpacking this very damaging ideology that I suspect is kind of at the heart of a lot of the issues in evangelicalism. Tears of Eden, a nonprofit supporting survivors of spiritual abuse from evangelical communities and home of the Uncertain Podcast, is hosting its first in-person retreat con October 20th through 22nd. This retreat con will have the intimacy of a retreat with the intentionality of a conference. In partnership with the I Got Out movement, the retreat con will also feature a special event story slam highlighting survivor stories live and in person. Registration is currently open and spots are limited, so don't miss out. Sign up with the link in the show notes. Here is the episode Trauma and Purity Culture with Lucy Rowett. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this. Um, I had four hours of sleep last night. I'm just getting started on the caffeine, so we'll see how it goes. Good morning to you, which is afternoon where you are. Um, And just to start um, for folks who may not know who you are, please give just an introduction of who you are and what you do. Awesome. So, hi everyone. Oh, there's some people watching already. Um, So, I'm Lucy Rowett. Uh, I am a certified sex coach and psychologist. Um, I love saying that word every time. (laughs) I love the fact that I have the word sex in my title twice. Um, So, I really specialize in working with women or people assigned female at birth or more femme and in releasing shame and embracing pleasure. And I was talking to somebody else that I'm a sex coach, but I'm also a sexuality coach. So the work that I do is very much around releasing shame and embracing your full sexual potential so that, you know, you can bring it to your relationship or marriage rather than trying to spice it up in the bedroom. Um, I, I really love that I use different I use different kinds of techniques. So I like to say that I use a lot of mind-body techniques. So... I use evidence-based sexuality education. I'm a big fan of evidence-based education, along with more somatic and embodiment tools. Um, And also, especially for my clients that either come from purity culture or from a faith background, or even not, we explore that sex-spirit connection, where you can reclaim that sex-spirit connection, or rebuild it for the first time, that your sexuality can be an intrinsic part of who you are and your spiritual connection as well. Because I know for me, I mean, you know, and I was leaving Christianity and we'll talk about that in a bit, but often in Christianity and a lot of religions, it's very disembodied and it's very much this kind of divorce of your spirituality or your sexuality. And especially when people leave Christianity or any organized religion, there's still that missing of some sort of spiritual practice or connection. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's how can we reclaim that and make it your own and link it up with your sexuality so that you can really celebrate all of it as a whole person rather than having to be one or the other. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Yeah, and I, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I really liked your content is the embodied part of it. And I think that was one of the ways that I realized that I was disembodied and, ha- and was um, just separated from my own body was because of the sexuality part of it and like how disconnected I was from that. And then learning about that allowed me to realize, oh, I'm like completely disconnected from my body, which is a lot of what high control um, religious environments end up yeah. doing that is causing that segregation. So I am really excited to chat with you just in case folks do not know what purity culture is or they just kind of have some idea of what it is how would you describe purity culture so i'm aware that as i describe this i'm british and i know that purity culture in the uk is a slightly different flavor to the u.s very exciting remember is that when you grow up in what are fully immersed in purity culture 
it's culture it's not just one talk right it's not just one thing it's constantly fed in it's the constant talks it's the constant comments it's the constant uh it's the whole it's the soup that you swim in and you don't really realize how deep it goes until you remove yourself or you're somebody who tends to socialize with or be with people outside of that i'm wondering what your definition is yeah no and i i think the only thing that i would add to that would be uh uh, like my realm is a spiritual abuse world, and and it was very recently that I would I I realized oh purity culture falls under that for sure in the uh, the shame and in the name of God that is used to yeah. just sort of take people's agency away. And so the one thing that I would I would just add to what you said, which is um, very beautiful description of purity culture, is it's it's like the church took this long history of patriarchy and and spiritualized it and wrapped it up in this beautiful you know package spiritual package and offered it as as the way and made it trendy Mm -hmm. and cool i say that i sound so bloody old but made it it trendy and cool for teenagers and young people Mm -hmm. like that's the whole thing of evangelicalism in general is that it's hip Mm -hmm. yeah their marketing is I swear on here, but it's yeah, it's it's shit hot. Their marketing is shit hot. Mm-hmm. They know how to market. They know how to hit the pain points and insecurities and the binary thinking of a teenager. Mm-hmm. So it's all of this toxic shit in very good marketing. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yeah, and the, yeah, and the developmental targeting of the teenager. Very good point. You may already know this, but the Uncertain Podcast is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a nonprofit that serves as a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. This podcast and the work of Tears of Eden are supported by donations from generous listeners like you. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider giving a donation by using the link in the show notes or visiting tearsofeden.org support. You can also support the podcast by rating and leaving a review and sharing on social media. If you're not already following us, please follow us on Facebook at Tears of Eden and Instagram at Uncertain Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And now back to the show. In your work um, with the clients that you work with, how have you seen purity culture impact individuals' view of their body and their sexuality? How does that show up for people? In loads of different ways. And something that you know, we've talked about and we touched on it is a form of trauma in that often so the people that come to me they are at that stage where they no longer believe that they're either no longer religious completely and they've thrown out the baby with the bath water or it's been a long time since they've been religious and so they're at that stage where they often feel very stuck in their head they've often had quite a bit of therapy or tried therapy already but they're in this state of when i when i often work with these clients it's often like is they, they think that they, they think they feel that they're stuck in their heads and what they feel is that every time their partner approaches them or maybe they're not with a partner <gasps> mm. mm-hmm. this is what happens and it's I often think that whenever I see Christian women or uh, femmes or people who come from that there's often a certain way that they hold their bodies there's a certain way that I notice they hold their bodies, a sli- and it's very slight. It's a slight 
shrinking, a very, very slight shrinking, a slight kind of making yourself a little bit smaller, a little bit of forced smiling, a little bit because, you know, all Christianity and most religions are not friendly towards eroticism in general anyway. Right. Right. And so there's a very stiff in the hips, there's a very sitting up straight, there's a very almost slight rabbit in the headlights look. And I'm saying this, this is very slight and very subtle. If you're listening to this, you're probably thinking about that. It's very slight and it's very subtle. And the biggest way that it often shows up is just a form of freezing. Mm. So if you're feeling the different trauma responses where it's this thing of, and then that would manifest often in if they're married or in a relationship where their partner absolutely be, yeah. yeah where their partner would be you know let's say approaching and wanting to have sex and it's this feeling of mm-hmm. I don't know what to do where they can't orgasm um, not just can't orgasm but this feeling of sometimes sex can sometimes feel violating because there's this yeah. feeling of, I don't yeah. know how to I don't know how to say yes, I don't know how to say no. I, sh- I know I should be doing it because we're married and I know that I don't believe in this stuff anymore, but my body has a completely different mind of its own, according mm. separate to my head. And then also it can manifest as a feeling of feeling like a gatekeeper, like pushing their partner away, creating a lot of distance. If they're lucky, they have a very supportive and encouraging partner, but it's still very difficult for mm. both partners. And if they're not married or in a relationship, it can often look like where either kind of jumping or jumping, going into different relationships, sex and sexual encounters where it just doesn't feel good. Yeah. Where they feel completely numbed out or mm-hmm. they feel they're going along with the things they should be doing, but nothing really feels good. But I'll also say that I've seen this in non-purity culture folk as well. Yeah. It's, it's, this is really, it's, it's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, I, the people that I work with are women or they're female, but I have friends and, you know, colleagues who come from purity culture who are men, and that also impacts them in many different ways mm-hmm. as well. So I want to acknowledge that as well. And sometimes, it, for whatever gender you are, it can very much feel like a compartmentalization of mm-hmm. your body and your sexuality, where yep. mm-hmm. in bed, maybe I can let everything out, but it's completely separate. I have to compartmentalize it. I either have to shut it off or create this kind of barrier. Mm-hmm. So this is and obviously when it comes to recovering from purity culture, trauma healing, faith deconstruction, there's different stages that we go through. And as you know, it's mm-hmm. not linear. It's not right. a thing of, Absolutely. I'm cured yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Or, and it, Especially it goes something into, like this because yeah. it, it, it starts really young it gets yeah. really deeply embedded into you. And so, yeah, that's a good thing to highlight. This is this is very far-reaching, very impactful, very deeply embedded to you. It's going to take yeah. time. It's just going to take time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It needs to take time. I would also say from a trauma-informed perspective, anytime you try to rush it or you work with a practitioner who's trying to push like a fast breakthrough, that, that's not sustainable. And it can lead to crashes. It can lead to feeling like you're going backwards. Um, one of my former mentors, she says, slow is sexy. Mm-hmm. And it really is giving your body and your nervous system the time to really, because it's, 
I mean, we talk, we all talk about this. It's one thing to cognitively not believe things anymore, and that's a whole trick, as you know. That's a whole soul searching. I don't know who I am anymore. Right. But then, when it comes to our body and our nervous system, that's another unfolding. That's another thing. It's telling our bodies and our nervous systems repeatedly, "This is safe. This is safe. I'm about to." And that takes time and repetition. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I like about your content is you you hit the cerebral because we need that cerebral. We need that you know reassurance, the logical reassurance that, especially when we come from these cerebral cultures, that yeah. logical reassurance that this is okay. Um, but it can't stop there. Uh, it mm-hmm. has to like get into the body. The body has to be a part of that um, deconstruction process. Um, would you say a little bit more about how this shows up in like sexual interactions between partners? So I've talked about this previously where it's freezing and that can look like, I mean, I'm not in their bedrooms, but it can Mm -hmm. often look like this feeling of, I don't feel anything. I'm just Mm -hmm. going along with sex because that's what I'm supposed to be doing, but it doesn't feel like much, um, Mm -hmm. or it. It, it can also manifest psychosomatically in terms of as vulvar and vaginal pain. Mm-hmm. It can manifest as different kinds of pelvic pain. It can it can often look like or feel like you are performing a role and you're going along with it. You're making the noises because you think that's what you're supposed to do, but it doesn't feel like very much. Mm-hmm. Or it can feel like I can't have an orgasm. Or it can manifest as having panic attacks in the middle of sex or suddenly mm-hmm. wanting to cry in the middle of sex. Or it can look like, you know, your partner is saying, hey, baby, what do you want? And you're like... You got nothing. I got yeah. nothing. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. And then again, it, it can manifest again as a kind of fear and anxiety around sex. Because it becomes this big, scary, awful thing where mm-hmm. you feel like you're either becoming re-traumatized or that it's just the thing that you can't get your body to agree with, where mm-hmm. you feel this lockedness and you feel this stuckness where, why can't I do what everyone else is doing? What What's wrong with me? Why am I rigid? Or, mm-hmm. Especially if you have friends who are like, who come from purity culture, but are like, yeah, I love sex. Sex is great. I had all these orgasms. Mm-hmm. My relationship is great. And you're thinking, well, it may, it's probably just me who's incredibly mm-hmm. And also, it, again, I'm not in their bedrooms. For some people, it can look like they're having really enjoyable sex, but maybe on the inside, it's not, it's not the same story. Mm-hmm. And because it can create a real fear and anxiety of sex, it can then manifest also as an avoidance of your partner, mm-hmm. where it gets to the point where they're, you know, they're putting their arm on your shoulder or making yeah. their eyes with you or flirting with you, and you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Something to put in the way of that because this is freaking me out too much. Mm-hmm. And then that certain amount of it, relationships are dynamics. Relationships are entities of that of their own. Your mm-hmm. partner is going to sense that, and it's going to create this push pull. Right. So it's not and, just going to be in the bedroom. It's going to no. be a whole relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also, 
I'm thinking especially in heterosexual dynamics, um, for the, the husband or the boyfriend or the partner, especially if they're enjoying watching porn or they're wanting, or if they have a higher libido for their mm-hmm. female partner, that can feel like disgust and yeah. feeling feeling angry at them for enjoying porn or for having a high libido and enjoying masturbating, mm-hmm. which again can create a kind of sniffiness, a kind of, even if you're not consciously saying it. And it can also absolutely, it manifests in queer dynamics as well. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole adjacent kettle of fish because Christianity and most religions are not queer affirmative at all. Mm-hmm. And so if you're queer, you can probably resonate with a lot of this in terms of that feeling of being freezing, that mm-hmm. feeling of being with a partner who's trying to open you up and do all these things. And you're like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it, it kind of goes. And I, <laughs> I feel like everything that you're saying is, is a sign of trauma. Uh, but, yeah. but that is my next question is like, how could you know if if you're having that trauma from purity culture showing up in your your sexual relationships? I'm aware that a lot of what I'm describing also describes a lot of people who don't come from purity culture. Okay. But I would say that first of all, there's that thing of you know, you know it, in that you know that purity culture has really messed you up in terms of sex and sexuality. And, you know, if you're listening to this and this resonates, you've probably spent hours agonizing over it and overthinking it, thinking what's wrong with me. And often what can happen, it can also manifest as flashbacks or emotional flashbacks. Maybe, Mm -hmm. for example, your partner tries to remove your top and you instantly go, (gasps) or suddenly you hear a voice in your head reminding you of something your past has said or something Mm -hmm. a victim or something somebody else said um but also a a really big one can be a fear of god watching you even Mm. if you don't believe in god anymore that Mm. fear of oh my god i'm naked what does god think of me oh no i don't believe in god oh god God, i'm still thinking of god what's wrong with me and then all of a sudden you're going in your head again it's it's a feeling of you know that it's really messed you up but you don't always know how. You know that there's a lot of messaging there, you know there's stuff there, but it feels, it can feel like a big ball of overwhelmingness and you don't know how to pick it apart. And then that can also manifest as anxiety, like, okay, purity culture messed me up. Yep, it's my trauma, but then what? Mm -hmm. So that can also manifest as that feeling of, I know it's purity culture, but where do I go from here? Right, right, right. So that where do we where do we go from here? I would love to talk about the the then what? Like, what have you seen has been helpful? And well, I guess let's just talk about like that deconstruction part of it and and deconstructing the the uh, cerebral mental part of it. What have you seen helpful? So. I'm also, I'm saying what I've seen helpful. I'm also I'm talking from my own personal experience mm-hmm. as well. I don't want to, um, what's the term? I don't want to project my own personal experience and say this is what helps for everyone. But the starting point for most people is reading and listening to stuff, you know, mm-hmm. podcasts, 
interviews, um, reading books, where you start to get different information. And that can start to create those aha moments in your head. And you'll find that as you're listening to, maybe they could be deconstruction podcasts or videos, they could be podcasts and interviews about sexuality or trauma. It could be something that could be completely unrelated as well. Mm-hmm. But what happens is you start to get those aha moments of, oh my God, mm-hmm. I did not know that. And it's that, and though you may, you'll probably have lots of aha moments because it's really important to have that cognitive reframing. Because if you try and go straight into the body without having any cognitive awareness, it doesn't really make any sense. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also really helpful to understand how purity culture and religious trauma works and to hear from other people as well talking about it because it takes the shame away, not just in terms of what you learned and what you experienced. And Mm -hmm. I'm chewed up chewing gum, but I'm not chewed up chewing gum. But also then the shame and the anxiety of how it's manifested for you in terms of all the ways that you feel it's messed up your sex life and your life in general. Just to hear from other people, that can be incredibly therapeutic and healing to hear Mm -hmm. other people's stories. Mm -hmm. And then the next, so the next phase, I don't like to think of it as like linear. Mm -hmm. Think of it it as like um, circular. Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope, circular, <laughs> cyclical, wibbly wobbly. It's not like Super Mario where you hit the first base and that's done. You don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a wibbly wobbly unfolding. Um, and then it's it's finding like positive descript. I say positive depictions of sexuality. Yeah. And, and accurate. And, and what? And accurate depictions of sexuality. <laughs> Yes. I mean, like, this is also a general cultural thing as well, and that most, the most thing is the most accessible, the most accessible positive and affirmative depictions we have of sexuality is, like, mainstream porn. The yeah. stuff that's in free tube sites. And I'm not anti-porn at all, there can be, but that's that's not accurate whether you're from purity culture or not. And also remember that purity culture taught you that any kind of erotic sensualness is be afraid of that and you will have learned that automatically it becomes like muscle memory Mm -hmm. where you look at anything you know it could be a pair of boobs on a billboard it could be something remotely spicy and you'll automatically feel that yeah so part of that is I don't want to sound really cold and clinical in terms of resensitization, but also like being in environments with people who are openly affirming of that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah, people. Can I ask you a question about that? Because I, uh, a certain uh, group of, of folks is coming to my mind, the group of folks um, who normalize that sex is uncomfortable and women just don't like it and have normalized that and that that's just the way it is that's just the way it is what would you say to someone who who is who has normalized that or has experienced that being normalized would you say like hey if you don't enjoy sex yeah what would you say to someone who just like doesn't enjoy sex and just thinks that that's normal oh that's a biggie first of all 
I mean, this is why I love running group programs and general group experiences, either attending or running them, because there will always be people there who are like, oh, I love sex. I had an orgasm. Oh, it was great. Mm -hmm. And hearing that and actually seeing someone face to face or being in the same space as them, seeing that and hearing that is the first challenge of, oh, Oh, we can make this. Oh, this can oh. be fun. Ah. Uh, and I think, like, you can't underestimate how important it is to see people either talking about or even doing sex that is pleasurable and seeing it as something good mm -hmm. and healthy and wholesome and sacred and life-giving rather than... Because often when we watch porn or when people look at porn, there's this... There's this attitude of secrecy and shame of mm -hmm. it's something really dirty, really enjoying it at the same time, but it's so wrong. Mm -hmm. Rather than what would it be like to watch porn or to look at or be there and be like, yeah, yeah, this is good. I'm enjoying that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm masturbating. This is good. I like this. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. That is so different. Mm -hmm. And being around people and having people affirm that to you is like, oh, that can be different. And also normalizing that it's okay to not enjoy sex sometimes as well. Right. It's, it's a really difficult thing because then also you can go to feeling that pressure. Well, I should be enjoying sex. I should be. There's something wrong with me for not enjoying it. And so it's also challenging all of these beliefs around what you learned and being around people where, or being working with a coach where it's like, it's okay to also not enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. We can find a different way, but also that sometimes it happens. Yeah. Sex is not, it's, I think of it as like a normalizing sex as a thing that we do, that mm -hmm. is part of human existence, just like anything else. And it can be absolutely amazing and wonderful and life giving. Mm -hmm. sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's crap. Mm -hmm. And we may want to change things. It's just how it is. Right. Right. What are some uh, ideas, guidelines, helpful tips for just continuing the healing process? We talked a little bit about just the cognitive stuff, but uh, maybe just the, the part of just like getting that into our bodies and just things to help us keep on that process. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of books. Um, I mean, maybe books aren't your thing, maybe podcasts. I say that first of all, because like, remember that you have had so many years of negative input around sexuality. It's never a one conversation thing or something. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm okay, I'm completely cured. Feed your mind with stuff that's positive, like podcasts, books, videos, Instagram accounts. That starts to slowly rewire in your brain. Oh, and then the next thing um, is exploring pleasure. And I think this is especially useful when the whole idea of sex just feels completely too much. Mm -hmm. What about pleasure? Oh, pleasure good one. Of, just happiness. Pleasure of, <laughs> yeah, joy, pleasure. Because yeah. also, like, um, you know, purity culture and religion was not that great on pleasure and, you know, in general. general. Yeah, yeah. And there's, a, there's a certain sense of, like, I'm selfish. 
if mm. I want, if I desire, if I if I enjoy too much of something. Um, that's very embedded into those cultures as well. Oh yeah. And if I am selfish, that means I am therefore a bad person. Bad person. Mm-hmm. And not spiritual and not a good person. I want to be a good person because what I have been told over and over again that I must be a good person. Mm-hmm. And in order to be a good person. So pleasure, what feels good to you? So you can think about the five senses. As simple as buying nice food, like having nice scents around you, wearing clothes. Um, I had a therapist years ago and he said, when you're choosing your clothes in the morning, choose what your body wants. Or choose a nice of clothing that makes you go, mm. Yeah, it's so simple. Yeah, you put it on and you're like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even with underwear as well, wearing nice underwear, you don't have to wear lacy thongs. I mean, I don't like lacy thongs, they hurt. They're not, they're not comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. But no underwear that is nice quality. For you. Um, not just because it, someone else is going to see it. No, exactly. It feels, and it's like, and also remember, because like for most women and people socialize as women, you know, it's like we are only allowed to be sexy for our husbands or future yep. husbands, and it's about his enjoyment. So to, even if you are still married and in, or in a relationship, this is all about you, darling. Mm-hmm. So wear what lights you up and that's it. Get your nails done if that feels to you. Um, you spend more time slowing down and indulging your senses just because you can, and that's the point. Pleasure mm-hmm. is the medicine here. And I often, this is part of my process, and I like to say this to clients, enjoy that transgressiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, you're being very naughty. You're being bad, Christian. Can you maybe enjoy that? Mm-hmm. Can you enjoy some of that transgressiveness, especially if you're at that stage where you don't want to believe it? That thing mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm, my pastor could see me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and embrace that. And also, um, for me, I say a, a gateway was learning about sacred sexuality and tantra. I, I'm critical of a lot of aspects of tantra, but a lot of that was still very healing in that, oh, I can still have a spiritual connection and it mm-hmm. actually be intrinsic to my sexuality and vice versa. Because that's another way of starting to rewire that, mm-hmm. that you can be, you, can have, you know, you can be deeply spiritual and not be religious at all mm-hmm. and incorporate that into your sexuality. Like the concept of like, you know, masturbating or self-pleasuring or spiritual connection. What that be like to connect your over your genitals to the divine or to your soul and to mm-hmm. be like this is good this is holy this is sacred look at mm-hmm. me so these are places that i always start with and again try and get yourself into environments either physical environments or virtual if that's not accessible for you around people or places that are deliberately pleasure and erotic friendly mm-hmm. and London. Uh you Yeah, this is all all great stuff and then just kind of um just uh 
uh, emphasizes and underscores the reality that it's not just about sexuality and it is connected to your entire life and it's part of it's part of your it's kind of and I, I just feel like that's a huge part of my story is like realizing I couldn't shut just that part off without mm-hmm. me impacting the rest of me and yeah. opening that part up and accessing that part gave access to the rest of me and helped me be uh grow towards my true self um just as like a a practical question as we're winding down on our time if someone chooses and just decides hey um i am more comfortable saving uh sex saving intercourse for marriage what are some guidelines that would maybe help them avoid that uh, choice and that desire becoming restrictive and traumatizing and how can they pursue that path without it becoming something that causes harm that's a really good question because it's it's there's no i I would say there's i don't want to say there are distinct guidelines or distinct like if you Mm -hmm. think this it means trauma if you think this it doesn't one thing i would say is when you're making this decision does it feel like something expansive does it feel like it makes your soul spinning does it feel in alignment and integrity? And, you know, this isn't like a yes, it's not like a, a thing where you will always know it. I say chew over this question over a period of time. Don't make it a snap decision. And also, can you give yourself endless, infinite grace and compassion and love to get it wrong? Yeah, saying wrong with quote marks. What if there was no wrong decision here? What if you could not mess it up? Mm-hmm. What if whatever decision you made is all good? And there's no such thing as a decision that is completely irreversible. Mm-hmm. Well, very little, unless of course you're having unprotected intercourse without any form of birth control. But apart from that, because something in Christianity and a lot of religions is this fear of getting it wrong and mm-hmm. of making mistakes. What well, if you could come from this decision from a place of there is no wrong decision here, it is mm-hmm. only a decision that feels really good for me and I can change my mind at any time. Mm-hmm. And if you are, I say a virgin, I don't like this term, but if you are mm-hmm. somebody who hasn't had, if you have not had your sexual debut mm-hmm. yet, um, where you haven't had any form of penis and vagina sex because the concept of virgin is absolutely bullshit anyway. Right. But what if you could pull that lightly and know that your quote-unquote virginity does not mean very much yeah. and it does not matter as try and give yourself infinite grace and compassion that you cannot lose your virginity if you have a sexual experience with somebody where afterwards it didn't feel good, that's okay. Nothing was taken. Right. Away. And if you don't want to do it again, that's okay. Like that's fine. That's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. If nothing was taken from you. You are not mm-hmm. defiled. This was just an experience that you don't want to repeat again. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like there is no such thing as soul ties where any man's penis can defile you. Please right. that out. 
Yes. Absolutely. We have another, we have another one on the myth. You do that a lot on your content about the myths of purity culture. And yeah. so we need to do another Instagram which is just the myths, the myths, which are really the myths yeah. of patriarchy. They're, they're not just the myths of purity culture. They're the myths of patriarchy. It, it impacts more than that. But yes, I apologize. Keep going. <laughs> And also like most of these myths, you don't realize that they're a thing until we name them because they become, you just accept them as given. And you're just like, what? Why did I believe that? Oh, because people told me that was true. People in authority told me that was true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, that's still floating around in my subconscious. It's still, fl- I don't want to be having this anymore. No, thank you. Right, 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 yeah. right. Uh, well, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to say? Anything that you would like to share to purity culture survivors? Oh, your, I would say your sexuality is yours. It's yours and it doesn't belong to anyone apart from you. And it gets to be a glorious, delicious, vital part of who you are and intrinsic to who you are, not in terms of your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, but mm-hmm. it gets to be a joyful, wonderful part of who you are, regardless of who you share your body with or not. And it's always yours first. Mm-hmm. And it's your divine birthright. Your divine Right, your sexuality, not sex with somebody else, your sexuality. And you get to celebrate it in whatever way feels in integrity with you, and you always get to be in choice. Mm, always get to be in choice. I love it. Um, and I guess just to end, uh, tell folks how they can find you, best way to interact with you if they would like to. Awesome. Um, so I am obviously on Instagram at Lucy Lou Rowett. Um, I'm also, I have a website, lucyrowett.com. Um, I have two free gifts at the moment. One of them is a six part audio course on sexual communication and another one on authentic sexual, another video training on sexual confidence. So do download mm. those on my mailing list as well. Um, do connect with me. I work, um, I run workshops and I run group programs. I'm going to be opening a group program or reopening a group program next year called the Shameless Woman Immersion, which is a really wonderful six-month experience for women or femmes to really shame and embrace pleasure. And I also work one-to-one as well. So if this calls you and you want to really invest in doing the deep work, then do reach out as well. Mm. I love it. I love it so much. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting tearsofeden.org support. All donations are tax deductible. Intro music featured in this episode is from the band Green Ashes. Before you go, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review, and don't forget to share this podcast show with everyone you know. I'm Katherine Spearing, and I'll see you next time.